Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. When I rang my dad, my slaughterman father, uh, about (laughs) who lives in. Queensland and doesn't like Muslims and and laid it out to him that I knew he was in oh. on this plot to turn my ex boyfriend into a woman. Wow, what is so he have to say? Have, oh my god! I'll put you on to your mum. Oh <laughs> so, no! Um, oh god! He so at, at for a while though I also thought everybody was poisoning me because one day after I'd sort of played this little game of sexual cat and mouse with Smithy where I tried to get as much drugs out of him as possible without having to touch him. Mm-hmm. Um, He'd sort of gone, yeah, well, I don't find you very attractive either. Go and have a look in the mirror. Look at yourself. And I'm like, no, that's not how to insult me. You should know that. <laughs> but he went on about it for about two hours. And then and then when I finally looked in the mirror, I was like, oh, gee. And I had all scabs and lumps and uh, blackened oh. teeth and, and all that. And I thought, oh, I thought someone's poisoning me. That's the voice of Luke Williams, intriguing Australian writer, author of Ice Age, which is a book about his descent into meth addiction. We chatted a lot about that book uh, in the last podcast two weeks ago. That was Luke Williams part one. But because we had such a long, interesting chat, I thought, you know what? I'm going to make this two podcasts about Luke. And I'm so happy to say we had really great feedback about part one. So I'm hoping you're all back to hear part two. This is wide ranging. We swap roles sometimes. Luke interviews me about stuff. We talk about everything from relationships to Buddhism to uh, Indian uh, holy men who eat things and do things that you wouldn't believe. Before we go any further, though, I do just have to explain one thing to you that will make sense, okay? This is a Buddhist concept hungry ghosts which both Luke and I suspect we might be. Hungry ghosts are found within various Buddhist teachings representing a condition or realm that people might find themselves in after they die. Also known as Prita in Sanskrit, a hungry ghost is often depicted in Tibetan Buddhism as having a large, empty belly and a thin neck and a small mouth. Okay, so visualise that and imagine trying to fill that big, hungry, grumbly belly when you've got a tiny neck and a tiny mouth and you'll get through this conversation more easily. I know that's a weird way to start, but you'll thank me for it in about 15 minutes. Okay, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, I'm Michelle Laurie and this is the Nitty Gritty Committee Stories about the guts and the glory of life and I'm very pleased to present to you part two of my chat with Luke Williams. 
I read just most recently your article on Pattaya. Is that how you say it? Yeah, Pattaya. 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 Um, I didn't know anything about that city, but it's like the sexual tourism capital of Thailand, right? Yeah, I didn't know that either when I first first went there, but I quickly quickly realised twenty seven thousand sex workers, war to war brothels, go 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 bars, massage yes. parlors everywhere. Yeah, you wrote another great, another oh, thank you, brilliant yeah. article of immersion and. I went there. I was part of it. You even you had sex with a what are the boys called? Money boys. Money bo- me, money boy. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> I'm making that peek out. So I've got this. I brought along <laughs> something, which boy. is my, my well. Me nearly became a money boys when I was I so excited. I couldn't believe it at age 36. Yeah. Uh, this is a singlet I got offered to work oh, as a money boy on, a in Boys Town. I know it wouldn't quite work on me. I know. No, How slutty is it? How it's slutty really is it? Slutty. And it would bring out the red in my hair and the red in my eyes and my pimples and all the rest of it. So fine. I thought, no. And what do we wear but, on the bottom uh, with that? Uh, nothing. Just nothing. Absolutely nothing. Really? No, no, no. You just wear jeans or whatever oh, okay. else like that because they want you to pretend that. In my experience, in when when uh, when men want you in a sexual way mm-hmm. uh, for money, they want you to pretend you're bisexual and you're just doing this bit of experimentation, <laughs> you know, and you, you really like having sex with virgin girls. That's the kind of stuff they want you to say. Okay. Uh, that they so you have to you have to kind of man it up. Uh, although you do, yeah, by and large. Even as a money boy, you're expected to go, oh, I don't know what I'm doing here holding your penis. I just, I'm just playing it by ear. You like that, mate? Yeah, <laughs> so, right. Well, no, of course I wouldn't talk like that. But yeah. no, there's a lot of guys who go there who are actually heterosexual. Yes. Uh, who have children. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are the Thai, Thai guys, I mean, the money boys. Okay. Uh, and uh, they just give hand jobs, and that's just what they do for money. Wow. And then you have okay. sex shows where they all come out with numbers on them. And they're big beefy guys, and and they are basically heterosexual. That they, they do it, but they they um, penetrate older straight men. How they do it when they're when they're clearly, you can tell they're heterosexual. Yeah. There's something about them, but they all come out. And there's one place called Boys, 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 uh, which is basically just a brothel. Uh, but they come out on stage, and and you can and about ten percent of women of the people who go there are women, and they come out every night at about nine o'clock. At uh, at night, and you know that boys, boys, boys by Celeste. Yes, I do. Boys, boys. They play boys. that oi down the street. Okay. And they march down the street oh. and strut their stuff oh. and sing along, and uh, wow. and there that's it. the The shift has started, and and you can pick which which one that that you want. But I got offered at this one bar. There was a German guy there, and this this old Queensland guy who ran this bar said, "I'm the madam around here. I run this place." Um, this guy will pay for your faith, pay, you can pay for a week here sort of thing. This will pay a week's rent here. And he was kind of, he wasn't bad. Like he was a bit creepy, which you can use that in your favour if you're having money for sex. Because you kind of go, oh, this is so wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm not supposed to be aroused by this. So that's so I am. Okay. And I thought, oh, gee, I just, I would, I'm so excited at age 36, you know, that yeah. somebody that I'm getting asked paid for in, in this sex work capital. And I thought, but but there's like 500 prostitutes here, right, sort of thing. Yeah. And, and he's like, yeah, but you're the only white one. Think about this. <gasps> yeah, right. You would have a clear advantage here. Wow. Because you'd be the only, you know, Anglo one here. Yes. And I thought about it. I just thought, no, I just can't get a stiffy like that anymore, though. <laughs> Like, I just wouldn't be able to do it. Have I just wouldn't be able to do it. Have I have ever, done. Yeah, you have I have had done. sex for money? Yeah, I have done. Okay. Yeah, all, but all sex is for money. Well, no, that's probably not technically right, is it? But all gay guys do it. All gay guys do it. Do they? Yeah, as far as I know. You've been a money boy? 
Money boy. Well, as in, like, yeah, not necessarily. Well, when in I was, Pattaya. I worked, uh, I worked in a brothel. Remember me from that brothel that you're in? Which one? In? I worked in a brothel called. Uh, I haven't told anybody. Hi, Nana. By the way, if you're listening, I haven't. By the way, Just she's dead. Been her. dead for five oh, years. Good. If she's listening, I'd be very worried. Okay. But uh, I worked in a place called the Stable. Oh, in okay. 2001, which is in Port Melbourne. Yes. And I found it very difficult because it was very competitive and yes. everybody goes out and because and it's a small community, often people come in, you'd know. And uh, that I found difficult getting customers. So I just thought, well, I'll just go and work on the street then if you're going to be like that. Mm-hmm. So I did that because I kind of felt like it was my rite of passage. I didn't really need the money. I had a boyfriend at the time. Okay. And I just wanted the adventure. Of street prostitution. Yeah. Okay. And so I went and did that uh, for a couple of weeks. And then years later, uh, post, uh, post-ABC post work, mm-hmm. I, <laughs> when I was doing my law degree <laughs> yeah. uh, and I was a bit short on cash and was having trouble getting another job, um, I I just uh, started uh, advertising. Well, I had all these like creepy old guys contact me online all the time. And I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to start asking them for money. Uh, and sure. so I did. Mm. And so then I started that again. And then I worked out a way that I'd find the least attractive people I could find on there and then talk them up, like chat them up for about 20 minutes. And then I'd go, oh, did I mention that I really need, and I was a cheap whore, $100. Oh, right. Uh, come on over. Uh-huh. And I did that for a period of time. Yeah. And and the sex was fine because, you know, gay guys will ruin anything anyway. So sure. what's dif- what's the difference? Which is why it's the the – the money is so low, yeah. you know, um, and uh, but the conversations I just couldn't. It's like me, you know, how I'm just constantly talking about myself during this yes. whole interview. Yes. Well, can you imagine me trying to put up that with, that with someone else? Right. Yeah. yeah. They and so, talk, and then they? they they wanted to talk, oh. uh, and so there would be like uh, you know. Uh, uh,
serious I'm either. I'm glad you think that, yes. So, and I'm heading into that age where, where it's not going to be cute anymore soon. Okay. People get bored with it. So I'm going to go with a, a – I met a guy last year when I was in Rishikesh, India, uh-huh. and he's uh, in his 70s. He's a former military survivalist. And for the last 50 years, he has been going – trekking through the Himalayas. He speaks over a dozen uh, – tribal dialects and he's got a shaman girlfriend who, who he goes and sees every year in western nepal uh-huh. he's been attacked by bears he's got scars up his arm wow. and he's a lovely guy impossible to box him in as a certain sort of person yes and uh and i'm going to be going with him at the end of november and some guys from ireland on a two-month trek through the himalayas um for a story i wouldn't do it otherwise i couldn't be bothered otherwise okay and just I for just the story it's just, just for the story. it's just but it'll be a great experience to yeah. have yeah Anyway, and yeah. so that will hopefully uh, be the end of my uh, dark and dirty adventures, and, yeah. and I'll be doing all these nice sort of stuff that more middle aged sort of <laughs> middle aged adventurers do. You well, know, I think you certainly deserve to be happy and safe. Are you happy? Yeah, I'm very happy. I'm very happy. Yeah, but great. it's but it's I feel happy in your presence. Oh, You've, thank you. Yeah, I feel really good talking to you. Yeah, I feel happy in your presence as well. Good. You're only about five years younger than me, but I'm 36. Yeah, right. Yeah. But there's something incredibly... Childish and immature child- no, about No, I was going to say youthful okay. and adventurous. Oh. I don't think we equate adventure with middle-aged people. Oh, you know what you I know mean, what though. Mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You start you- to do all those outdoory sort of stuff yeah, when yeah. you get older, you yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> so lovely talking to you, and I can't believe I told you all that, all that stuff <laughs> about... Uh, I definitely won't be putting this one up on my Facebook about all that stuff about all the... All the it was just something about you. What is it? Because you told me you worked in a brothel or something. Maybe, I just couldn't. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't know what it is. But I try to let you know. I'm not certainly not Lily White or, you know, I've made mistakes. I've done things. I've got a drug past. That wasn't necessarily a mistake. But like, but you, you weren't know, addicted to drugs. You just used I them I was addicted to drugs for a little while, yeah, to speed. Certainly uh, at uni and then I used again in the brothels because I was just so desperate to get through every day, you know. You know. And how did you get through that? Uh, I met a guy and it worked out well for me. He wasn't into it and I was really into him. So, and I ended up marrying him and we just divorced, but it's been 19 years we were together. So yeah, I got, got lucky. You know, oftentimes in that situation, the person who's not using uses and suddenly you're in this awful wormhole for the next 30 years of your life where you're both using. Yeah. But we went the other way. He was like, nah, I'm not into it. And I thought, okay, I'll just stop and be with you. Really? As simple as that? I think I transferred the addiction. So does that mean that, um, and I'm not trying to be Dr. Phil here, no, but was, right. was there certain insecurities that led to your drug drug yes. use that was sort of filled because then you had a male partner and then you absolutely. felt loved or something? Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. I was young. I was 23. I wasn't that young. But yeah, I had a friend at the time who said, no, nah, you're just marrying this guy because he's the first person who said he loved you. And I was like, fuck off. But I think she's right. Even though he's still, he's a great person and we have kids together and all of that. But I think looking back... I was in a big hurry to get married and really pin him down. So I think you're right, yeah. You feel the, the same gaps. Yeah. So there you go. You're good and, to talk and, to too. And you're not feeling like you, you've – I mean, how are you now? Um, well, I'm just newly separated still, really. I mean, it happened like last December we kind of moved – um, so I'm just still working through it. I feel I'm just I feel like I'm just realizing now how big a deal it is, how it's kind of affected me. It's it's a big deal. It's taken me a long time to pull myself back together, you know? So I think I'm fine, but I, I don't know, it is taking me a while to pull myself together. 
Yeah, it's hard to when you separate and you have that this person was holding me back and now I can do all these things. Sometimes you don't realize even in a very bad relationship how much that you're actually getting out of it. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I and I think he was I think he was I still think he was holding me together really more than holding me back. But um he got sick of holding me together, I think. You know, like really, yeah, because I was just like, out, I'm always outward. I'm very outward, and like I needed him at home, take keeping the house together, and I'd bring pets, and then and then I had twins. We had twins, but you know what I mean. Like I was just always more, more, more. But you have to deal with it all because I'm out there, and he just got sick of that. He just got sick of me just assuming that he would deal with every bit of shit I brought home or added while I was out in the world. You just got sick of being that guy behind me. You've got a lot of empathy. You see, just isn't that amazing? You've broken up with someone and you're just seeing it from his yeah, point well, of view. Yeah, well, you know, I've written a book about it, about Buddhism, Buddhism for breakups. I think that's helped me Have a you? lot. Yeah, yeah. Have you really? Yeah, it's out in February. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. And so this it's helped you too. Definitely. It's like I've studied Buddhism since 2006, but oh, right. The writing daily has helped me. Yes stay in the process and do you call yourself a buddhist yes yeah you do yeah yeah i do practice buddhism uh-huh. uh so uh it's how funny how weird mm. uh but uh i'm i'm concerned about um i still want to be an asshole you know yes okay but but i can see that in the way that you've just described the breakup and you've talked about it purely from his point of view yeah right how much empathy and how much <laughs> compassion you have. I think that's just amazing. And I, I hope to get to that point one day when bad things happen to me yes. and I'm just focused on what it's like from the other person's point of view. <laughs> I think that's amazing. Really, I do. Hi, Monique Bowley here. I host a show called Mamma Mia Out Loud. It's a weekly podcast with what women are talking about. You should come listen, but don't take my word for it. Here's just some of the reviews we've had from happy listeners. Why do you have to be so feminist all the time? Shut up. Mamma Mia, isn't that just hating on men? Oh, that's just stupid girl shit. Yes, stupid girl shit. Like politics. I feel frustrated that there's no vote. I would love the parliament to vote on it. And smart pop culture. Kim Kardashian said this week that she's not a feminist. Which part about feminism are you not down with? Is it the having control of your body and your life? Is it about having the vote? The show drops every Wednesday. Subscribe in iTunes or your favourite podcast app. Are you going to move back to Melbourne, do you think? No way. No. No. no we no, have to. No. Well, I've got uh, the next period in uh, in, in, in I'm going to go to Manila where I'm doing something on um, ladyboys and men who like ladyboys. Great. Um, and then next year I've got the London version of the UK version of the book. So I'm going to do some reporting ah, for that. Great. And, but, you know, I've never been to London. Right, okay. And I've, I've never, only ever been there a few days. I've never been to America. So I haven't okay. I haven't travelled much because I've spent a lot of money on studying yeah, drugs. drugs yeah. So, um, yeah, awesome. I've got a lot of that a lot of that ahead of me. But the reason that I love Thailand so much is because I can practice my Buddhism. Yeah, and, yeah, you're immersed. And no, nobody looks at me funny when I go and, uh, no. go and do my bow to the... To the Buddha and about uh, you and your monks. I thought, oh, that sounds great. I'm going to India for two weeks in January to see His Holiness and 
to this big uh, Buddhist thing there. Up in uh, Dharamsala? No, he's going to be down in Bodh Gaya. So I've never oh, been to that? India before. Bodh Gaya is um, near, oh, it's not near anything, sort of in the middle. Okay. And um, it's where the Bodhi tree is that Buddha, you know, attained oh, enlightenment yeah, yeah, under. Yeah, yeah, that's near Varanasi. I yeah, know where right. that is. Yeah yeah, 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 I was there last year. Okay. So cool. I spent a lot of time in Varanasi, but I didn't get, get that I far because I'm such a bad. No, you're not Varanasi. Did you see them? Um, burning bodies. I and did. Stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not shocking. It's shocking at first, but okay. it's not after a while because most of them are old and, and yeah. uh, decrepit. And, and I hadn't quite taken on Buddhism then because I went to India thinking there might be something else there. Yes. But I found it all a bit trippy, hippie, sort of transcendental. Yes. Or not, you know what I mean. Yes. Um, it was uh, all about God and about reincarnation, and, and yes. Buddhism was, seemed to me to be just a basic description of how life is and yes. how things work. Yeah. Uh, so. I was, but I was open-minded, and uh, I, I, I left a bit cynical about yeah. uh, a lot of the a lot of the things in Hinduism, a lot of the Westerners who go there and basically start cults, and the aesthetes who you know um, naked and paint their bodies white. You see those cats? I did. I yeah. wrote a story about. I them. bet you did. I did. I did. They, they're cannibals. Yeah, right. Glory. They pull out the they do. corpses. It sounds it's a little bit sensationalist to say that, but they do. They 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 drag the dead bodies out of the river. Yeah. They take a little bits of their skin mm-hmm. and they eat them in a ritualized way oh, they I do see. whatever's taboo oh, so I they're see. always stoned they're always smoking opium yeah uh they they make mixtures with snake venom and opium and bits of human ash and i've heard i didn't see it but they have sex with dead dogs as well and so <laughs> anything that's frowned upon by hindu society they're saying well it's taboo it's bringing us closer closer to to, to gods to yeah God. closer to 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 whatever they see as being the thing out there. Do you believe in that? Do you believe that there's a, a thing out there or is it very kind of a uh, material Buddhism that you've sort of got? No, I, uh, I I believe in the Buddhist concept that there are realms, there are many realms, and we just kind of slide in and out of them. And uh, What do you mean by that? Well, you know, the, the Buddhist the cycle of existence, the, the six uh, realms of existence, you know, three upper, three lower, and um, that there is a heaven and a hell, but... We never stay anywhere permanently because we're just working out karma, you know, and um, uh, the animal realm is a lower realm only, only because they're so vulnerable to us, you know. And so, yes, I believe that. I believe I'm in this cycle of samsara, of existence, and uh, one day hopefully I'll be enlightened and not have to go through this cycle anymore. So it's an inherently kind of um, get me out of here <laughs> kind of belief, really. It is life is suffering. Yes, and desires suffering, and that's yes. helped me. Yeah. So in the, and you're talking about those realms, and sometimes mm-hmm. we spend different times in those in a particular realm. It can mm-hmm. kind of be our problem realm, in a way. Yep. Do you see a realm amongst that? For me, there's a hungry ghost. I know ghost realm where you where you where you kind of wanting things that where you got a tiny mouth and throat and a huge belly, so you can never fill it up. You're just always hungry. I think about the hungry ghost realm all the time. Am I in it? That's what I wonder all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I, I fight against that. I work on that because I am very much a person who struggles to feel satisfied. Every time I achieve a goal, I'm always thinking three goals ahead by then. I'm not really – don't take the moment to be in that achievement. I think maybe I am a hungry ghost actually in this lifetime. Yeah, I have problems with that too, but uh, I'm worried that going the other way will mean I don't 
do anything yes. as well. So it's a hard balance, isn't it, between yeah. – I mean, they call it the middle way, don't they, which, uh-huh. is, which is kind of between having, uh, you know, a massive – ego and and then being as buddha was for a, a period in his life where he was starving himself yes. and he was hurting himself yeah and but finding that that middle way uh, there's no specific guide on that necessarily is there it's something you kind of have to work out yourself yeah. with there's the eightfold path yeah. it's eight pointers you know to to helping you stay in the middle um but again the thing i love about buddhism is it's so much about you not deciding for yourself, but you being real with yourself, you know. I know when I'm not in the middle and I know when I am in the middle and uh, it's about just being hard on myself, critiquing myself, not asking anybody. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Am I in the middle? It's only, <laughs> I'm the only person who can say. And I like that. And one of the things that surprised me about Buddhism in general is that they don't say completely kill your ego. No. And that's to do with the middle way as well. They say just kind of be aware of and temper it if you like. Yeah. Because kill your ego and you're basically dead. Absolutely. A lot of people think that Buddhism is this really soft um, victim kind of religion, you know, that mm. we're all about submission. But, I mean, look at the Dalai Lama. This China's been trying to kill him for 60 years. He's a tough dude. It does come across passive at times, and I think that's to do with the types of people who often teach it here, that yeah. they're just saying, oh, just everything's fine. Don't yeah. sort of take any action at all. Yeah, but Tibetans are tough people. Yeah. Chinese people are tough people. You know, the great Buddhist nations are tough and hardy people just to survive childbirth and survive life. They're not pushovers. No, and in fact, in uh, Myanmar at the moment, they're 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 abusing their power I and they're, they're being awful to the Rohingya people there. I know they're killing Muslims. Though. Uh, they they are, and uh, they're being and monks get because everybody in a lot of those countries they have to be a monk for a period of time. Yeah, and so uh, that means you have a wide range of people from a wide range of backgrounds becoming yeah. monks, and yeah. uh, and they get up to to all sorts of mischief at time. Would you ever become a monk? Uh, sometimes I think I could become a nun. I've never said that out loud before, but I do 
think the older I get, the more I start to dream about having made enough money that I can give my house to my children when they're a bit older and then I can go and live and sweep floors for a monk and cook for a monk and just kind of do that until I die in a monastery somewhere. And you have more precepts to follow if you're a nun than if you're a monk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have yeah. more rules. Yeah, definitely. But, but so what? I don't know if I could become a nun, but I certainly would love to... Oh, I see what you're saying. Yep. Do you know what I mean? Yep. To To live out my final years in that scenario. That's in my that dream. Sort of environment. Yes. Yeah, I guess it would it would take a lot of discipline, wouldn't it, to be to say the least, to live would that kind me, of lifestyle. Because like I've spent my life trying to get things, to get stuff, get money, get jobs, get famous, get Hungry Ghost. Hungry Ghost, right? Yeah, absolutely. Get followers on Facebook. Get so it's yes. never enough, never no, enough. No, I love But the it's idea. still worthwhile at the same time. It is, and I try to use it for positive things and try to use it for altruism and to help others, you know. Um, that's the way I temper it. But I do think, oh, gee, it'd be nice to think I could evolve to a level personally where I could walk away from all of that and be happy and content with no one knowing who I am with normal coloured hair. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first priority. No. <laughs> Just a, a quiet, peaceful, normal person sweeping a floor. That that would That's a dream that I could get to that level of evolution in this lifetime for me. Yeah, I, I tend to think, you know, maybe I'm in the same boat as I need to be cut off from society altogether. No yeah. social media, no nothing. But I'd have to actually go and be a monk and yes. I'd have to follow all the rules and uh and things would just change bit by bit over time but there's still a lot i want to do in this world for you it's obviously you've, you've got you've got kitties to raise yeah i do and that's hugely important yeah uh, for me there's there's things uh you know that that i want to do as well that i'd like to think are important before i give up on the world and yeah and say well that's enough now i can't yeah. feel it anymore the bucket's already full yeah but you're also in that world of journalism where your work's really important to oh, sometimes. well is it i don't know I think does it, it is, help yeah i think it does like the work of yours that i'm familiar with is very educational very real very much like if you all want to talk about the meth epidemic well this is it mm. you all want to talk about sex tourism this is it this is homelessness this is you know all the things that you talk about this is male prostitution this is and it's hot. No. <laughs> no, but there's also a huge element of ego in it. Yeah. I mean there's I know, there's there's a I could go and help society in any number of ways <laughs> that doesn't involve me. Uh going look everyone look what i've done and here's a photo of me and my name next to it as well. I know. So there's a huge element of ego in that that i can't I can't deny. Well, I'm I'm right there with you, girl. <laughs> I am right there beside you. And I and I think that the times when I've managed to get that up, get get that get past that, uh, I think oh, I do think that's where real f- fulfillment. Yes. Eventually, yes. when you completely let go of yourself. Yes. Not to the necessary extent of being a monk, but when you let your ego go and just get involved totally. in something else or someone else's story or yeah or I something. Mean, can you imagine just like knowing there's no there's no big break coming for you there's no big story that's all behind you no one's ever going to blow smoke up your ass again about your writing it's all honestly the rest of your life is going to be about sweeping that floor cooking that rice 
change. No, she. It sounds slightly sub, subser, like subservient woman, sort of traditional subservient woman well, it role is, that you wanted to take. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. To me, I mean, I know a lot. I see a lot of men perform this role, so maybe that. I, I don't. Oh sure. You know? Okay. Yeah, I get you. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Coming from a different angle on it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I see. You know, His Holiness's attendance, and I think, oh God, that'd be so cool. But they're monks. I wish I could be a monk. It's just one of the many, many circumstances in which I wish I was a man, really. But you can be a nun, right? I can be, yeah. But I don't know. There's something... I mean, I have spent a life wishing I was a man, to be honest. Not to a gender dysphoria extent, but certainly, I don't know, just just thinking being a guy would be really cool. Because of privilege or...? Must be, I think. Even watching rugby league players run out on State of Origin... There was always a moment, there's a bit in my heart where I wanted to be Sam Thiday. Really? <laughs> I wanted to be a man, yeah. Because yeah, there's nothing like that for women, though. No, there? no, there's not. And even, I guess this goes back to what you were saying before, even I know some great Buddhist nuns who are very well respected and all of that, but there's something about being a monk that just seems elevated to me. But I think that's my problem. Well, you do the same thing, except women have more rules. Yes. The, the nuns follow more rules. Yeah. And in some countries, Thailand for a long time up until recently didn't recognise nuns. Yeah. They've got a very patriarchal version of, yeah, right. of Buddhism. Yeah, right. Okay, right. Uh, but I'm not try- I'm so- I sound like I'm trying to talk you into no, it, don't I? No, you're not at all. It's... I don't get to have conversations about Buddhism very often, so okay, I'm really good. digging it. I don't it. either. Yeah, <laughs> I'm digging it. But I'm trying to have more conversations about it. I'm going to turn my website, which I'm working with professional web developers, I'm going to create an online Dharma center, online oh. Buddhist center. That's my And dream how's that right going to work? Well, I think about all the things I love about a good Dharma center. There's classes, you know, um, really targeted courses. Um that are really easily accessible in terms of like the first course I ever did was called just dealing with disturbing emotions. And I thought that's me. Great. You know? And so it sounds down to earth and approachable and you can get in there and you can get involved in Buddhism at that very approachable level. So I want to provide that. And what was your difficult emotion, by the way, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, I had lots of them. I was in Brisbane doing radio and hating it. That explains it, it all. <laughs> it, it does a bit. If you're from Queensland, it does a bit, right? <laughs> I like Brisbane because I'm not from there, but I can understand. Yeah. yeah, but I was like from there. I'd come to Melbourne and made a life for myself and then went back there to work. And I was like, oh, no, no. I didn't like the guys I was working with, but that wasn't their fault. It was I, I just had a bad attitude when I got there of, right, I want to get in here and get the fuck out back to Melbourne, you know. Mm-hmm. Didn't happen that quickly, so... I had depression, anxiety, career, all career really motivated. And, um, yeah, so I saw this course and thought, that's me. So, but depression, anxiety, but what sort of emotions did you learn was pre- precipitating these, this angst or whatever? Yeah, I was feeling? angry. I was yeah, yeah, angry yeah. and yeah. nasty and bitchy and aggressive and, you know, those. And so it was learning what was below all of those. What's below that? What's really happening? I'm fearful. I'm afraid of being forgotten in Melbourne. I'm afraid of I've worked really hard and it's going to go nowhere. I'm afraid, you know, it's mm. like getting down to those actual things that you can then you can deal with them Then you can look at them and just change my life overnight. Yeah, I can totally understand that. Yeah, started getting along with the boys I worked with. It was great, you know, it's all good. Yeah, and here I am now, 10 years later. 
I honestly, I I am trying to get to this point. I really so why love not, that. So why not Catholicism still, apart from I really like Jesus. You know, yeah. my son said to me recently, do you trust Jesus? And I was like, yeah, man, I trust Jesus. I, uh, I, I find Jesus' teachings and Buddha's teachings almost interchangeable on a lot of issues. Very, very similar. Um, but there's just something about Buddhism I find more um, grounded, more down to earth. Christianity, I'm not into that the culture of Christianity I find really kind of um, uh, corrupted and, you know, so often you think, how can you how can you be calling yourself a Christian? I don't understand. I wonder, though, if you didn't live in some of these Buddhist countries and you saw day to day some of the stuff. if I lived in Burma, I'd be going, how can you call yourself Buddhist and be killing Muslims? Or even Absolutely. Thailand recently where they've had all the, the tiger yes. temples and all that and you kind of yes. – it would spoil it, wouldn't you? I was in Cambodia and I took food around to the monks and they just looked at me like I had fallen off the turnip truck. They were just like, all right, oh, mate, thanks a lot. They're sitting there in thongs. They've got mobile phones, all these young monks. Some of them are smoking, you know, and I was like, oh, sorry, I didn't realise. They just want cash. They don't want my bread or whatever I've bought for them, you know. So, yeah, I think I've probably got a very idealised perspective of Buddhism. Obviously, Christianity, to believe, you can take the t- teachings of Jesus, sure, but the the core message of Christianity is that Christ rose from the dead. That's where I'm out. Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely where I'm out. Mm. I got a great teacher, wonderful prophet and teacher and great ideas. Don't think his mum was a virgin. Don't think he rose three days after. Um, I don't dig any And I don't think you could necessarily take that much from that story unless you believe that. Yeah, yeah. Because I think the metaphor is that life is eternal. Yes. So. Yeah. I don't believe that. I don't believe all my dead dogs are waiting for me in heaven. I don't believe that. (laughs) I wish. I really wish I could believe that. Buddhism allows for clairvoyance as well and things like that. So I think that explains a lot of real phenomena that we don't know where to put. We don't know how we can feel like we've known someone all our lives or... You know how we can have these incredible experiences and coincidences with people. I just met a couple the other day from Mauritius who met at Etihad Stadium in Melbourne. Had never met before in Mauritius. They met on New Year's Eve. There were 16,000 people there. They met. They fell in love. They found out their families didn't live far apart in Mauritius. They have all this shared history. And I go, that's, come on. That's something, isn't it? Could just be like a random coincidence. Could just be chaos. This is, this is my magic. But I'm thinking. interested to know then how you say you're not in, not into magic and you're an agnostic, but you firmly oh, believe in. Yeah. You, you I don't want believe to believe into re- in reincarnation. Yeah, I feel in that very real sense. Yeah, it's funny that one. I don't feel funny about that one. Just makes sense to me. It just makes sense on a fundamental level. I just think of it more slightly different in that mm-hmm. what you put out in the world is kind of your spirit. Yep. And then that lives on and keeps going. And then your body breaks down into little atoms and those keep going as well. I love that. But, you but don't you're think talking about something slightly... You're, yeah, you don't think that spirit that you put out into the world is ever reborn into a physical form again? Oh Well, I don't know. Yeah, right. I don't know because I, I'm an agnostic. Yeah, right. And that's why I'm curious why... But you're just saying it's logical. It is to me. Yeah. And I'm aware that... It's not to everyone. Certainly, like Susan Carland is a friend of mine who's Muslim and she converted uh, as a teenager, late teens. And she and I had these very similar experiences with different religions. She encountered Islam and went, ah, well, that just makes sense. 
Wow. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's funny because to me, Islam doesn't make any more sense than Christianity, and yet Buddhism, ah, oh, well, that just makes sense to me. You know, so again, I'm aware of that. How how have you ever been with a with obedience and doing what you're told? Have you ever been a well behaved person uh, in that sense? Not really. It's a very great challenge for me, and again, it's something I hope to get better at. Because I think that might be part of it when you're going to a because I was perusing Hinduism for for <laughs> when, I, when I was over there, yeah. and the thing that and I was in Rishikesh and all that stuff, and the thing that I couldn't digest was. Not just talk of God, yeah. but obedience to God. Yeah. You have to do what God tells you. Uh-huh. And it just made me think that most people are sitting there imagining some angry man in the sky saying, you better do what you're told. Oh, absolutely. I was raised with that. And not only him, but all your dead relatives. Like mm. I was raised to believe that my dead grandfather was watching me. You know, try masturbating with... <laughs> <laughs> With all your well, dead relatives watching you and that it was a really real thing. And so... You've just given me a, a new fantasy for my next Crystal <laughs> Meth episode. How do you like, that? Do you like that one, Nana? <laughs> Bad uncle. Hi, uh, auntie. I know. That's, that took a lot of getting over, that idea. I don't think that's real. It doesn't but make But you believe sense. that. You believe that. I did. And you believed in God as well. Yeah, I did. Yeah. But when I got to 15, I went... Actually, you know what? No, I'm not Christian. I'm not interested in any of this. It's hypocritical. It's corrupted. And then I've kind of drifted back from that extreme perspective, I think. And I've been able to come back and go, actually, the teachings at the core of that are great. Mm. And I'm not engaging with anything else about it. Um, But I can recognize that. But Buddhism just makes sense to me. Yeah. And, and beyond anything else, it makes me a better person. So it's like, even if I'm wrong, even if I die and there's God waiting for me going, well, now what? <laughs> I am real. I've been watching the whole time. At least I've been a good person. At least I've tried to commit to altruism and positivity and all that stuff, you know? When you talk, just going back to the reincarnation stuff, when you're talking about the soul, this kind of essence uh, changing form or taking being taken on by another person uh-huh. does it take on an aspect of the personality in the sense that would you believe a really credible past life channeler maybe you i would yeah i possibly yeah i read those books about um those kids who remember their lives and stuff i had a really intense vision in edinburgh once but i should preface it by saying i also had a fever <laughs> so and I you had a lot of acid as well i had no acid at all oh. but i i did have a fever and i thought i wonder could I have been hallucinating? I've never been that sick before in my life that I have hallucinated. And yet, because I come from Scottish ancestry, I really felt really connected to that city when I got there in that country. And I had a really intense um, vision. So I thought, well, I think that was a past life vision. I was like lying on these stone steps. My skull was smashed. It's very graphic. And I could see the boots of army guys standing in front of me and they were walking up the stairs and there was just chaos all around me like they'd come in there and smashed us all to bits and then they were leaving british guys but i mean this let's just talk crystal meth psychosis yes. you have periods where you're you're having vivid fantasies yes for no i mean i'm sure you're a very imaginative creative person yes. as well and i'm sure that you would have also known logically that something like that 
yes. could have happened. Then. I knew it had happened historically. Yes. Yeah. So, yes. Uh, at what point is it? Yes. Is it somebody could turn around and say, "Well, that's that's your brain flicking over and not being able to to to, to make a distinction between fantasy and reality." Yes. Yeah. No, absolutely. I'm open to that. It was something I'd never had before or since—a sensation. But but I also am very aware that I had a fever, so I don't know. But who knows with some of this stuff? Because I've had times where where intuition has been, yeah. Uh, and, and I think that, uh, but you can go very wrong with all that as well. So Listen, I try and keep a very open mind. I went and saw a psychic in in Ubud for a story recently. Mm-hmm. Ubud, which is in Bali, yes, uh, which is where all the eat pray lovers yes. tend to go now. And uh, I asked her to contact my dead grandfather and ask him why he committed suicide. Yeah. And I had my recorder with me while we did it. And uh, and I was left unconvinced by what she had to say yeah. uh, because it was very general. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the only things that she asked that were specific were, were factually incorrect. And it was all very reassuring and it's okay, he's happy now. Yeah. Uh, and I had a feeling that she might have been a prostitute on the side as well and that she was using the money that I was not – because I didn't pay for it, but yeah. her money would be a psychic on plastic surgery because ah. uh, she was 70 but she looked like she was about 45 or something. Wow. Uh, so uh, she was a strange lady. But when I listened back to the recording, mm. and I wouldn't say this to many people, but I heard a weird crackling sound when she said she was going to channel him, this strange crackling sound. Mm. And I'm just – I mean, I don't believe in any of that stuff because I haven't ever had an encounter mm-hmm. like that before and I'm – I mean, I'm the last person who should be talking about people who just say he's back on drugs again <laughs> sort of thing. Yeah. But I thought I'll go with an open mind because who knows, uh, but she wasn't it. But did she start to get into some weird realm there or something yeah. or was it just a coincidence? <sighs> I don't know. And I kind of love not going – that not knowing. That's that magical thinking again. There is a big part of me that loves loves the idea that magic could exist. Well, it's very reassuring, isn't it? Yeah. Because the idea is if if we get in contact with somebody from the other side, it means that we're not going to die. And that's what we all – that's what our yes. egos want, isn't it? Yes, that we're never going to really disappear. No, that that's the conceit yeah. of our egos in some ways. Yeah, but, it is. But at the same token, you've got to keep an open mind. Yeah, totally. I did a podcast with um, – who's that famous TV guy, psychic? Um <sighs> Not Ray Martin. <laughs> no, that guy. He does that show. Yeah. Anderson, no? I can't believe I can't remember his name. Crossing no. Over? Crossing Over with John Edward. John Edward. I did a podcast with John Edward, right? Just the loveliest man. Just so lovely. And in that moment, I was – didn't, we didn't do a reading. We were just talking about what it's like to be John Edward, you know. And he was talking about being bullied as a young man when he came out as psychic and all that stuff and, and people who accuse him of being a fake. And I said to him, yeah, because if you're a fake – and he finished the sentence. He said to me, if I'm a fake, I'm the worst person in the world. It's not that I thought that – this woman was a fake yeah. and it's not that I think that they're fakes necessarily yeah. and I don't know much about him at all so I'm not commenting on him but to me they start to believe their own lies and they've that 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 switch has flicked where they've they haven't been able to distinguish between fantasy and reality yeah that is a different space isn't uh, it and they yes. seem like creative people colorful people yeah. who do creative things who are very imaginative mm. uh, and a little bit grandiose as well mm. and uh, Sure, you know, you start to tell a story about your 
dead grandfather, a very imaginative person, sits there and starts to picture all these things and have all these ideas, may come to believe that. Yeah, yeah. That is a really pleasant way of looking at it because I've always been troubled by that conversation with him. I liked him so much, but then another part of me is going... But it can't. He can't really be contacting people's dead relatives, because the Buddhist in me says they're not hanging around as Uncle Sam. They've moved on to another, you know, existence, another birth. Oh God, it's all very complicated. Well, no, this the the woman who I met. She, she genuinely, genuinely believed that that she had a gift. Yeah, but she didn't. It was just her <laughs> imagination. She did Because there was no sight. There was nothing to verify. Yeah. Okay. It. And but I think that the positive messages that she was giving people was probably helpful. Yeah. Um, well, there's that. We should. I should let you go. We should. We should stop talking. How long have we been talking for? You know what? Two hours. Two That's hours. So good. I'm going to make that two. Luke Williams, author of Ice Age and many fascinating articles that I read around uh, the Australian press. I think he's about to be discovered by Europe. That is my guess, my educated guess. Uh, Just judging by the sort of communications I've had with him over the last couple of weeks, things are looking good and so they should. He's quite extraordinary. Thank you so much for downloading. Please feel free to go to uh, the iTunes store and give us a couple of stars. We love extra stars. I'll be back with another episode of the Nitty Gritty Committee in a couple of weeks. Take care. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.